0: uh, just to bring worship to the Lord and uh, to pray and to be able to give and also just to receive something from the Word of God. We live in a a very fast changing society but the Bible says that the Word of the Lord endures forever and uh, this is the Word that's preached unto you and in Arena Church we believe in the power of the Word. This is not a lecture, it's not a talk, it's not just something to touch our head although there's nothing wrong with our heads being moved in the sense of uh, the renewing of our minds but it's also a word that seeks to engage with our heart ministry is something that captures the attention of the messenger and then is shared out to people that are listening so the prayer tonight is that God will just touch us again uh, in Jesus name in this time that we've got for the word And if you've been in Arena Church over the autumn period, you'll know that we've been running a series on a Sunday evening called God First. And thank you for responding to that so well. Matthew 6.33 was our keynote verse. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And if we put into action the priority of seeking first the kingdom, and that simply means Jesus being king of our lives, ruling in our lives. He's not some a uh, blob that's going to fall down from the sky. He's not even talking about anything future, although we understand that the kingdom in fullness is future. But he's talking about Jesus being king over us. If we'll put into action the priority, we can claim the promise. And that's, if you read in Matthew 6, all the things that we are prone to worry about, God will take care of. And, uh, and, uh, and we, uh, we just thank God for his goodness and for his grace in our lives. I don't know whether anybody saw Songs of Praise last Sunday evening. I just got a glimpse of it before I was coming out. But there were two twins on Songs of Praise last week celebrating their 100th birthday. And they were both amazing Christian men. And one of them says, if I worry, it means I don't trust. And if I trust, it means I don't worry. Well, that seems to be a good spiritual philosophy. Uh, to hit your centenary with just a great testimony to trusting in God and putting him first so thank you for that and then Christian shared last week on on love and then of course Julie has uh, set up the next three Sunday nights for us which are going to be absolutely terrific and we believe in that every Sunday next week the following week and then the one before Sunday every chair in the building is going to be filled and it is a great opportunity to invite people to come Uh, there'll be visitors coming guests coming uh, as you know, the kids have been really working hard. And so the best you can do next week is to be here and to encourage them and cheer them on. And, uh, and we just know that it's going to be a, a, a great time. Why do we do all that? Because we believe that in an increasingly secular society, the amazing message of what we define as Christmas for Christians is still worth getting out there. And that is that God invaded the world in his son, Jesus Christ, and changed it Forever. And so the, the, uh, the, the target tonight or the desire of tonight is that we would just land a message that would set us up for these next three, three and a half weeks and would really help us to keep a focus about Jesus. For those of you that uh, have some interest in the Christian calendar, you'll know that Arena Church on occasions is very keen to uh, embrace the Christian calendar. For instance, we thank God for Good Friday and for Easter Sunday, where we talk about his death and resurrection. We often draw attention to what used to be called the old Whitson Pentecost Sunday, where we remember the birth of the church and the outpouring of the Spirit. Those of you from an Anglican persuasion will perhaps tell me afterwards what the fourth after Trinity means, so we're not quite into that. But um, the calendar is quite complex. In fact, it takes people all through the year. But you will know that the fourth Sunday before Christmas is the onset of what we call Advent. And tonight is the fourth Sunday before Christmas, the 30th of November. Yes, tomorrow is December. Countdown really is in full flow. And tonight, I want us just to embrace that wonderful truth of Advent with a particular aspect of it. And I want you to carry this in this next season and not only to be blessed, but to be a blessing. Advent, or Adventus in terms of the Latin really means arrival or coming and we look forward to celebrating the re- the arrival of jesus in the earth as a babe in meekness and in majesty and of course christmas day allows us to do that if you need help with that um over the next few days then the arena uh, church bible reading plan uh, for the next 24 days is readings that center around advent and uh, you can access that online or if you've not got that opportunity there are hard copies available on the resource desk later and uh, those readings will be old testament and new testament readings old testament readings hundreds of years before jesus came where god used men and women to speak of his arrival or of his coming and the fact of the matter is, and I know that it's become a bit clichéd, but Jesus really is the reason for the season. I know you'll get somebody trying to be clever coming up to you and say, well, you can't prove it was December the 5th. And in fact, the people that get involved in this stuff say probably it was around about October. But the fact of the matter is, friends, that within the, the calendar of the year, December the 25th has become pretty well established now as being Christmas Day. And that's okay. And we know there are things added on that aren't in the Bible. Christmas trees aren't in the Bible. Tinsel and crackers aren't in the Bible. All figgy pudding's not in the Bible. They're the things that have just got added on. But the fact of the matter is that Jesus is the reason for the season, not fighting in supermarkets like Tesco over 50-inch tellies that happened on what has now been defined as Black Friday. Where did that come from? It came from across the pond. and uh, And... What a ridiculous start to what we would call the Christmas season. That is everything that it's not. Selfishness, greed, impolite behavior. It's the very opposite of what Christmas is meant to be. And there are four major themes about them: Love, and Christian spoke last week. Peace, joy. That, that's something deep within that even sometimes as I'll seek to articulate in a moment when we go through difficult situations we can still know a gladness in God that causes us to experience that the joy of the Lord is our strength and the fourth element of Advent is the one that I want to concentrate on tonight because I couldn't do justice to three in the time that we've got and that is not only love and peace and joy but also I think something that's very relevant to our society today and it's the truth of hope Christian, when Christian, by the way, Christian's sort of somewhere in the air over East Midlands Airport at the moment, sort of coming back from Scotland. He's been preaching and teaching and speaking to a number of Scottish leaders on the church planting journey this weekend. And he preached in a church this morning and he's flying back in now. And I know the Lord's already blessed him. But when Christian came back of his holiday, he mentioned in a team meeting and also in one of our staff meetings that he'd been rereading uh, the Billy Graham book on the leadership secrets of, of Billy Graham. And of course, Billy Graham, as Dr. Billy Graham, has been defined as the greatest evangelist of the 20th century. And there is no doubt that that is almost certainly true. But as you read this book, and for those of you that are interested particularly in the leadership journey, I'd encourage you to read it. You become aware that also here was a very, very fine Christian leader that built a great loyal team that that, uh, that worked together over many years. And, of course, many thousands, indeed millions of people, were impacted by the good news around the earth. And he sent me thinking, and I thought, well, I'll flip through this book again. I've read it, but I'll flip through it again. Page 96, Billy Graham always wanted to be known for being a communicator of hope. And then in page 98, he determined to live by his convictions And the gospel of hope, always seeking to communicate that to others. Well, what a great desire in life. And now Dr. Graham is in his mid-90s and he's frail of health. But during the summer when we had that uh, series uh, in in church, we used that wonderful video on the power of the cross. And uh, by using now an aged man with also uh, modern communicators and modern means... We've got a brilliant expression of the truth of the cross still at work in people's lives. And Dr. Graham is still committed to being a purveyor, a communicator of help, of hope. I was speaking to a pastor friend of mine in Inner City Sheffield a few weeks ago. And they, they did a special service where they showed that video the other Friday evening. And six people gave their lives to Jesus, which is fantastic. And so a great impact. Now I want us to go to the verse that I'd like us to think about tonight, if Chris can just put it up for us. It's found in Hebrews chapter 6. And it's the verse that I really want just to inspire our hearts with in these moments that we've got. It says these words. It says, We have this hope as an anchor, firm and secure. We have this hope as an anchor, firm and secure. Now, the boys were sort of Picking the pulpit up tonight, and I did sort of wonder if we could get some of the guys to bring a great big anchor and put it on the platform, but I think that would have gone through with me following it. So if you can just use your imagination for a moment, but those of you that sort of like the coastal area and watching boats and all of those things, and even seeing the great liners come in, will know that often they are stabilized by an anchor, an anchor point. And uh, here we've got the wonderful expression of applying hope to the picture of an anchor. If we have time to read the context there and explain this a little bit more, you'll find that in Hebrews 6, God is saying that the reason that hope is our anchor is is because just as God was true to his promise to Abraham in the past and always kept his word, so he will be absolutely true to us also. And so hope, which is the confident expectation of the unseen and the future, can have an absolute certainty that it's built upon God's unchanging word and therefore it acts as an anchor and what does an anchor bring well anchor, an anchor brings support sometimes those of you in engineering will talk about anchor points it brings stability and it brings security and sometimes the anchor works best in turbulent stormy times And using that in terms of our lives, friends, I wish as a pastor tonight I could say that being a Christian means that we would never have to go through a storm. But if I went down that route, you'd immediately give me pushback saying, Phil, that's not true. Around this room tonight, we've got stories of younger people and older people that have had to navigate storms in life. And sometimes they've blown up right out of the blue totally unexpected, totally unplanned for. It may have been the storm of financial insecurity. It may have been the storm of losing your job. It may have been the storm of a lost one, a loved one being lost and taken from you. He gives and he takes away. And so we could go on. Things that we feel keenly in our hearts. And God says that in those times, we can know hope that is an anchor for the soul, firm and secure the reality is friends that even when the storm isn't blowing the boat will still drop anchor for his place of stability and as we've sung tonight with that brilliant Matt redmond song blessed be the name of the lord when the sun is shining down on me and the world's all as it should be blessed don't feel guilty for those times if that's your experience thank god you know friends if we walk out on a beautiful summer's day we're not saying come on then rain We enjoy the day. and Sometimes some Christians get guilty if it's not tough all the time. The reality is that there are seasons of blessing and favour and momentum and breakthrough and advancement. And God gives us those times. But blessed be the name of the Lord on the road marked with suffering when there's pain in the offering. Blessed be the name of the Lord. This is the beautiful balance of the Christian life. And a gospel, friends, that skews that out of balance, hear me, is not the true gospel. One of the great anthem songs that we've sung over Arena Church in 2014 is a fresh take on an old hymn. It comes courtesy of uh, the Hillsong ministry. It says, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name, Christ alone, cornerstone. Weak made strong in the Savior's love through the storm. He is Lord, Lord of all. What's the opposite of hope? Well, it's despair, it's it's fear, and we see so much fear around us. I don't want to talk about fear tonight. I certainly don't want to speak on it, but let me just give you three things that fear seeks to do. And the Bible says that fear brings torment. Fear is not of God. The only fear that's of God is the fear of the Lord. That's not being frightened of him, but it's revering him. But the fear that the enemy seeks to bring to our lives brings torment. And our song again tonight says that he aids us against the enemy. But fear undermines the promises of God's word. And the Bible is full of promises. Promises for you to claim. Promises for you to imbibe. Promises for you to confess. Promises for you to be defined by. And the enemy will cause fear to seek to undermine those promises. He'll go something like this. Well, it's all right for so-and-so, but he didn't mean it for you. Oh, yes, he did. Oh, yes, he did. Fear exaggerates the power of the enemy. You know, you listen to some people. You listen to some preachers. Anybody think the enemy was in control, not Jesus? They make him so big, so great. And friends, the enemy seeks to stand tall over our lives at times like a giant, like Goliath did with David. But David came to him in the name of the Lord and toppled him, not because he was good with a sling, but because he had faith in his heart to believe that God had given him an amazing victory. And fear seeks to destabilize our position in Christ. And the Bible says that for believers, we are seated together in heavenly places with the Lord in Ephesians That doesn't mean that we're floating around two foot off the ground. It doesn't mean that we're we're on clouds playing harps forever. And by the way, heaven's not going to be like that either. Do you want to spend a million years playing a harp on a cloud? It's going to be a lot better than that. It's going to be a winsome community of people that love God in perfection with no more fear, no more tears, no more crying, no more joy. The former things have passed away. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. Don't let fear grip your heart. Paul writing to the church in Colossus says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And here's the truth, friends. There's a sense where Christ is in us, in the power of his spirit, to bring us the hope of glory. One of the great phrases of the Christmas story is, Fear not. Remember the angels? They appeared to some working-class blokes on the hillside. They were called shepherds. I love that. We had the kings coming in with all the oipaloi, you know, and all of that, and 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 and, and jewellery and gifts. But these guys on the hillside, God loves to go to those sorts of people and say, so "Fear not. I bring you good tidings of great joy. Today is born for you in the city of David the Saviour, who is Christ the Lord." That's going to ring out in school assemblies all over the country over the next few weeks. It's fantastic. And God says tonight in in reality, fear not. So hope it's an anchor for the soul. Firm and secure. I'm going to bullet point five things, friends, that I believe hope is to our lives. And I'll run through them real quick. Number one, hope is foundational. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, Faith is being sure of what we hope for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith, that is that convicted belief in God, that committed belief to Him, is being what we hope for. The two principles closely align. It builds our relationship with Jesus as our faith in Jesus deepens. Hope is the giant truth of the Christian church. I mean, imagine tonight, turning up at church, and I spent the next 40 minutes talking about fear. I remember once, some time ago, somebody said to me, oh yeah, there was a pastor in our area. He spent 23 weeks on the works of Satan. Good grief. <laughs> I can only imagine the church would depressed at the end of it. You know, Bill Hybels, who today will have had 25,000 people gather in his church in Chicagoland, Willow Creek Community Church said these words, that the local church is the hope of the world. It really is, friends. I said the other week that there are over 2,000 food banks across the United Kingdom now. And 99% of them are run by local churches. If the local church went on strike this week, friends, there'd be mayhem in communities. People wouldn't be fed. Kids wouldn't be blessed. Old people would have nowhere to meet. Contact points would be taken away. It's very easy to... I think this mic's going but very easy for for um for us to sort of parody the church and to talk about all the things it gets wrong but i want to say friends that in this nation and the nations the local church does an amazing job it is the hope of the world and hope stands tall amidst the gloom and despondency and hope is a beacon in the dark places and hope is a sure foundation that never wavers it's foundational and then hope is internal 1 Peter 3 verse 15 Paul is speaking to a, a, through 1 Peter and 2 Peter there towards the end of the New Testament he's speaking to Christians that have been dispersed the they have been, they have been scattered because of persecution and uh, just this week I was reading uh, I was watching a video clip of the chief executive of Open Doors which is a ministry to the persecuted church And he talked about the secret church. Is this okay, Andy? Yeah. yeah. He talked about the secret church. I tell you, it was very, very moving, friends, because whilst we sometimes get concerned about our nation, thank God that tonight we've still got the liberty to come together and meet as we do. Millions of people in the earth cannot do this. They meet in twos and threes in a forest or in a shop or in 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 a rubbish heap. And, and they somehow communicate to each other because to meet like this is illegal. And the security forces will come down on them with great power. And we just thank God, friends, that we can carry a hope. So Peter writes to these persecuted Christians and says, be always ready to give a reason for the hope that is within you. You see, I can't produce hope as food on a plate tonight. I can't. Illustrated as a garland round our neck. But when hope is in you, hope comes out of you. It's inevitable. It's absolutely inevitable. And living out hope is the great precursor to talking words to people that need to hear. See, I've, I've had people say to me, I'm getting persecuted at work, really. Say, yeah, yeah, you know, people are getting on my back. The manager's getting on my back. And then I find out that work's supposed to start at 9. And they're turning up at 9.15 every morning. And they're wanting to speak and preach the gospel to people. Friends, they're not going to listen. Start getting there at 10 to on a regular basis. And it may begin to turn. And people that live despairingly and then seek to confess Christ, it's not going to work. We need to carry hope internally in our hearts. It will be inevitable that people will say to you in a despairing society... What is it about you? What is it that makes you tick? What is it about your faith? And you'll notice the exhortation in verse 15. We are then to give a reason for the hope that is within us with gentleness and respect. Be prepared to lose the argument for the sake of keeping friendship. And let's go again another time. Hope also is intentional. Intentional. Romans 4 verse 18, it speaks of Abraham. It says, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. In Genesis chapter 15, God gave Abraham a promise. The promise would be that his offspring would be as numerous as the sand on the seashore. And I believe, friends, that it wasn't just talking about Abraham's natural descendants who, whilst there were many, were not as numerous as the sand on the seashore. I believe, friends, that prophetically God was speaking about the redeemed community that's expressed in Arena Mansfield tonight. He looked down the eons of time, and Galatians says that if we're in faith, we're the sons of Abraham, because he was in faith also. And God said, I've got an amazing plan for the earth. I've got an amazing plan to draw people to myself. There's going to be multi, multi-million people strong. And if you will believe in me, then I will cause your offspring to be as numerous as the sand on the seashore. And Abraham believed, even though at one point, friends, it was impossible or seemingly impossible for him to produce a son biologically. You know the story. How him and his wife Sarah had gone past natural childbearing age, and yet God gives them a promise. And against all hope, in hope, they believed. The story is amazing. Isaac was born, and then Abraham's faith was tested as to whether we really give Isaac back to God. I suggest for every one of us, friends, if we want to go deeper, there's going to be Isaac experiences in our lives where we have to give back to God what we think is ours and say, Lord, it's yours anyway. And there was a divine provision of of the ram in the thicket and God says, because Abraham, I see your faith, because I know that you implicitly trust me, then I'll give you the promise that I've spoken over your life and we live in the power of it today. I wonder what situations we face in Arena Mansfield tonight friends, that seem hopeless. I wonder if it's that errant boy or uh, son or daughter that have decided, mum, dad, I love you but I'm not going the way of faith. And they're doing things tonight that really sort of hurt your heart against all hope in what we believed. I wonder tonight if it's an experience or a situation in work that seems completely unchangeable. And yet, in hope, we're going to press in and believe that God will bring a shift in Jesus' name. I wonder sometimes, as we confess prayers over Arena Mansfield for hundreds and thousands, there's not something in our heart that says, well, I'm not sure about that. We're probably doing pretty well. Or whether we can, against all hope, believe that this community will see a move of God that's never taken place before. Not only this church, but the church Advancing and prevailing with the good news of Jesus. Whatever it is, friends, God says intentionally tonight, rise up and against all hope in hope belief. Number four, hope's inspirational. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 18, Paul's praying. And I understand from Bible commentators that this prayer from verses 15 to 23 is one breathless sentence of 169 words He sort of got to get it out there he couldn't stop and he says i pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened that you may know the hope to which you are called you know sometimes as christians we're walking around we're apologetic we we still feel as though we've still got to apologize for what we are. We are called to the most amazing journey of being a Christ follower that we can ever live in the earth. Not head down, but as Josh reminded us a few weeks ago, heads up. Seeing around us the God-given opportunities that are presented to us far more than sometimes we take hold of. And living in the inspiration of our eyes being enlightened, the eyes of our heart, so that we might see the hope to which we are called. And fifthly, hope is eternal. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 19, I don't want to mix my religious metaphors tonight because we're talking about Christmas and I don't want to go to Easter. But Corinthians 15 is all about the resurrection. 58 verses. And at the beginning of Corinthians 15, Paul's speaking to one of the great churches of the day. And there was some doubt about whether Jesus had really risen from the dead. He said, hang on a minute, guys. At one stage, he appeared to five hundred, And many of these people laid down their lives for the cause of seeing Jesus. And then, in his brilliant way, he lays down the logic of the argument. If if Jesus isn't risen from the dead, then your faith's a waste of time preaching, communicating is. And in verse 19, he says, If Jesus isn't alive, and we don't have hope for eternity, then we are of all men to be pitied. Or as the older translations say, We are of all men most miserable. Last Wednesday in Arena Ilkeston, we paid our final respects to a lady called Vera Crabtree. She was 88. She found the Lord Jesus in her formative years through the ministry of the church army. And she lived her life as a Christian, a good Christian lady. Her health became enfeebled in the last numbers of years. And I was saying to David, who's here tonight, that you know, to remember his, his grandma in, in, a, in, a, in a, a more vibrant time. Um, but a lady that gave her life for the Lord, the joy of, of uh, Wednesday, even though we felt the sense of loss and the family particularly so, is that it's not cliche, friends, it's the word of God. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Vera is with the Lord. One day there is coming a great reunion where we will enjoy the blessing of God forever. That's what the Christian faith about. And every time I'm engaged in that context, I remind myself why I'm a minister of the gospel. Because if I can say it, friends, without having it up, it's a life and death issue. Yeah, yeah, and the difference between leading a service where there's hope for the eternal and leading a service where there isn't mine, is stark. And some of you have been part of those services. You know, we all carry on as though we're going to live till we're 80, 90, 100. We talk blasé at times about 20 years' time. This week, a 25-year-old guy went out to bat, done it a 1,000 times, in a state shield match in Australia, the cricket ball hit the back of his neck. And as you've seen on the news, he was in eternity virtually before he hit the ground. 25 years of age, rest in pace, Phil Hughes. The fact is, we need to be ready for eternity we need to be ready for whenever that is. Most of us, friends, in God's purpose, live to a good age, but not everybody. Not everybody. And if we've only got hope for this world, if our hope is in our car, if our hope is in our house, if our hope is in our pension, if our hope is in some goodies, we ought to be pitied. Yeah. But if our hope is in Jesus, whatever happens, however long he gives us, we are blessed of the Lord's. Because we know that our destiny, eternally as well as on this earth, is in Him. That is the Christian faith. That is what it's all about. That is why we get so pumped. That is why we turn up on a Sunday. To get people ready to face God. 1 Thessalonians 4.13 says, Though we grieve, and it's okay to grieve, we don't grieve as those that have no hope. As I close, friends, a few months ago I was in a leader's meeting and one of my friends that's got a strong prophetic gift read a verse out from the Scriptures. Some of you will know it well, Jeremiah 29, 11. But he read it from the Message Bible and he says these words, I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to give you the future you hope for. Here's what somebody said that was dying of terminal cancer. Dear we hope, we dare. Can we hope? We can. Should we hope? We must. To do any other would be to miss one of the greatest, to waste one of the most precious gifts that has been freely given to us by God. In this special season, let Advent Let Christmas, let meeting with family, let enjoying the social scene, let uh, giving presents, whatever it is, let going to all those school assemblies that some of you younger mums and dads have got in front of you, whatever it is, let it be filled with hope. May we carry hope to people that are hopeless. And boyfriends Brothers and sisters, haven't we got some hopeless situations? Sharon was just sharing a story with me last night when I got in. And in a public context, I'm not able to say anything about it. Suffice to say that it's just staggering the sense of hopelessness that people find themselves in in 21st century Britain. Those of you that watched the news last evening will know that there's been a report done, and in our country, 13,000 people live in slavery. God help them. God help them. And may every one of them, friends, find a liberating release in Jesus' name. It may be on your street there's a hopeless situation. It may be the next door neighbor. It may be that person that calls you at work tomorrow and pours out again their hopelessness. In this situation, may we Like Dr. Graham and thousands of others, be carriers of hope. And of course, the first advent is in the light of the second advent. We sometimes call it the second coming. And the Lord's not coming back the second time as a babe, but as a ruling, reigning king. There's been a lot of heat and light about the second coming over the years. The Bible says, don't try and second guess it, just live in the light of it. And very often, it's been far more heat than light. But there is a day coming when the end of the age will come and Jesus will rule and reign in righteousness. 1 John 3, the book that we've just finished in the Arena Bible School this last Tuesday says that when Christ appears, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. And all who have this hope in him, purify yourselves just as he's pure. It may be that tonight life's calm waters. Fantastic. It may be that you've turned up at church tonight and you're walking into the teeth of a gale. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul. Firm and secure. His word is true. It will not fail. Once we choose hope anything is impossible. May this Advent season in Arena Church and from Arena Church, cause people always to live with the giant truth of a hope in God. Let's pray. As the band come just to play, we're going to.